Hello, welcome to the TU Sports Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined by our beat writer uh, on the Golden Hurricane, John Tranchina, and it's officially uh, December, Christmas month. John, we're coming at you on December 1 on Thursday, so get your Christmas shopping going if you haven't already. Uh, I, for one, have not, so there's that. (laughs) So speaking of December, John, nothing like a coaching search uh, in December. Um, Philip Montgomery was, was let go after eight seasons. Um, you only covered him for one season, but why don't you just talk about your experiences with Coach Montgomery before we kind of get into who's next? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he, I, I always found him a, a real engaging guy to talk to. He was always very open to, to, to me asking him questions and to being, uh, you know, forthright for the most part about what was going on with them. You know, there were certain things he didn't talk about. He, it was kind of funny among some of us in the media where, uh, we joked about how he would always get a little annoyed when I would ask him every week about the up injury updates and stuff. But, <clears throat> you know, beyond that, uh, I mean, yes, I was only here for one season, so it's a little hard to, for me to speak to what must have been a cumulative effect of why he was let go. But from what I saw, I mean, the biggest thing to me that stood out about him was that his players loved him, you know, and always spoke so highly of him they really respected him they you know he made it such a family environment and I think the the players really enjoyed that um you know he had the, the players over to his house for Thanksgiving they they called his wife mama Monty like it's, it's kind of <laughs> like I I really enjoyed that aspect of it and I think that fostered a really great environment for this team but obviously you know results on the field weren't quite the same you can get into how good a coach he was or whatever. That's one side of it. But the other side of it was he was a, he was a really good guy and, uh, and very positive force for this, for the program. Yeah. And he represented the school. Well, uh, Mm -hmm. he and Ashley were active in the community, great representatives of Tulsa, the university, but also Tulsa, the town. Uh, so yeah, now, so Okay, let's get into this a little bit. I, given all that, I, I, and given some of the injuries that they faced, notably to Davis Brin, who was on fire early right. in the year, I'd really li- would like to have seen this year with a healthy Davis Brin. And and you can say injuries are part of the game; you got to overcome them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's all well and good, but you can't lose your quarterback this day and age. We just in the state of Oklahoma, John, we saw that this year when Dylan Gabriel was out right. at OU. When OSU doesn't have, you just, it's easy to say you got to overcome injuries. It's not so easy when it's the quarterback. So I would have loved to have seen a full Mm -hmm. Davis Brin this year and see what would have happened. I mean, I don't, if I'm TU, I don't, I don't, I would not have gotten rid of him. But also I see that what you mentioned earlier, the totality of it when you have eight seasons and five of them are losing seasons. I mean, you can understand, understand the decision. Maybe you agree with it. Maybe you don't, but um, like I said, I don't fault to you for doing it I, again. Um, but also, I, I wonder what could have been this year with a healthy Davis brand. I thought that all season long. The, the, you, you're talking at least two extra wins. I figured like this would be a seven and five team. And would you be firing him after that? I doubt it. You know what I mean? And yeah. right? And yeah. and I pretty sh- that that I say that's pretty conservative feeling for what would have happened had Bryn been healthy all season. Um, so yeah, that's that's the tough part of it. Uh on the other side of it, I will, you know, as I agree with you that 
maybe it's the cumulative side of it and there's only been three winning seasons. I mean, the other thing, and maybe this was part of the, the influence as well, you look at what has struck me in the last couple, last month or two is just the uh, aura of excitement around the basketball program with a new coach, you know, similar situation where a guy was up and down and around 500 for eight years and they, they let it, uh, Frank Hayes go. And now we have Eric Conkle come in and it's been like a huge breath of fresh air. There's a new energy around that uh, basketball team. And the same thing happened last year with the women's team with Angie Nelp in a similar circumstance. So, and there's a huge, you know, and they're taking that next step forward this season. So seeing how I'm, sh I wonder how much of an influence that had on Rick Dixon's decision to, to fire Montgomery, knowing that that is likely the result, you know, next season with a new coach coming in. I mean, that's, that's a really good point, John. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something to be said for new energy, different energy. That that's right. a really good point. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're right, Eric, Eric Conkle has been a breath of fresh air uh, so far. I just lo I love I love hearing him talk. Yeah, he's just he's just, and I don't hear him talk that often. Not not like I see it a lot, but just you know, he he just. I, I can see you guys wanting to play for him. He just seems like the kind of guy you want to play for, you know, right? Right. Anyway. And, and well, um, well, Montgomery was that way too for his players. So, you know, but there is still that, you know, with the basketball team, there's just that freshness about it that just makes you excited. Even though, you know, we can get into this a little later, but even though the team is only two and four and they're still, they're having their struggles, there's still that feeling around them. You know, you, you're willing to give them, the uh whatever the you know the benefit of the doubt that they're going to get better and, and wait sure. allow for that progression to happen okay uh, two-part question did davis brandon going into the portal surprise you and then also braylon braxton also entered the portal they lost both their quarterbacks did either one of those moves shock you did you see that coming yeah, that, that was – both of them going was a shock. I I figured, honestly, Bryn going was not as surprising to me. Um, okay. A guy who had been here, you know, every year has been here. Montgomery was here. The other thing that, be, you know, since he went first, it seemed to be looming over his head that, you know, with as well as Braylon Braxton played in those last two games of the season, there really was a legitimate chance that – you know, with a quarterback uh, battle in in camp next season, he might not have been, he might not have emerged with that as as the starter. Uh, and I, so from a purely football standpoint, it made sense to me that he would enter. What did shock me was Braxton doing it. Because, uh, you know, with Bryn leaving, that opened the door for him. He was basically already, bam, you're the starter next season. You're going to be, you know, there's no question about it. It was already, you know, as soon as Bryn left, it was like, all right, we got Braxton. He's our starter. And now he's, you know, he's leaving. It's hard not to see him leaving as a result of Montgomery being fired. You know, Bryn, you could, you could look at it to football reasons. But it's with Braxton, it's clearly a result, got to be a result of that. But yes, yeah. that, was, that was shocking. And I know there's a lot of TU fans that started panicking yesterday, like, oh my God, what are we going to do? We don't have a quarterback now. You know, we lost both of them. 
Uh, so there's there's a little bit of of worry in in the TU fandom right now. Yeah, I, no no doubt about it. So let's talk about who's next. Uh, some names floating out there we see on social media. You know, mm -hmm. just it's easy to float a name out there on social media saying this guy, you know, is a candidate or whatever. Um, at the end of the day, we really don't know. Uh, but it's right. fun to kind of speculate a little bit of the names you've seen floating out there. Who who intrigues you? Well, at first, I was really intrigued by uh, G.J. Kinney, former TU quarterback. So immediately, that's one thing I really liked immediately about him. He's, you know, being a former player and a guy who was here as recently as about 10 years ago, maybe mm -hmm. 11. I think he was 2011 was his last season. So, you know, somebody who's been here relatively recently who gets the vibe, gets, the, gets uh, what it means to play for TU, that intrigues me a lot. What then the more I thought about, his, looked at his resume or whatever, I'm a little more skeptical but just because there's so little experience. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he was the, you know, he's the coach at Incarnate Word right now. I guess that's an FCS team. They're in the FCS playoffs right now, and they're, I think they're they're 10 and 1, so they're having a great year. Um, that's a lower level, so it's his, and it's his, only his first year as a head coach, so that makes me a little leery. He was the offensive coordinator at Hawaii, so he's got some experience in more bigger time football, but only one year of head coaching experience makes me slightly leery of him. The other name that really stood out to me um, was Seth Luttrell, of the coach at, who's the coach at North Texas right now. Um, they just finished a seven and five season in the Conference USA. They're, uh, I believe that's one of the teams moving into the AAC next season, one of the new members. So that's going to be an interesting. It's interesting that he might look at this as a step up when his school is actually joining our, the same league as Tulsa next year. So, but even besides that, you know, that's an intriguing uh, a name for me. He's uh He's an Oklahoma guy, played football at Muskogee and at OU. And, uh, you know, that. so he's still being an Oklahoma guy. I'd still probably rather have a, TU, a former TU player. The other name that's out there that fits that bill that people are talking about is Brennan Marion, the uh, current wide receivers coach of Texas. He's a former TU guy. So... Um, but I don't believe he has any head coaching experience at all. So I get, that puts him back into the same boat as my concerns about G.J. Kinney, who does have head coaching experience. So there's a few names out there that that are intriguing. I don't know if anybody has hit me yet that I'm like, that's the guy I want. Well, whoever they hire, they got to do it pretty quick, pretty quick, right? Timing yeah. is, is key here. I mean, the, the early signing period is – kind of changed everything, you, right? You figure it's got to happen pretty quick. You'd like to think so. I mean, yeah, it's December 21st, so you got three weeks or whatever, uh, and you can see with the guys entering the portal not knowing who the coach is, that's a, that's a key point. Uh, you guys, they have eight guys who have committed to Tulsa that you think might are going to sign on that day. Now maybe they're not going to because they were recruited by Montgomery and loved his feel of family and all that. Who knows if they're going to want to come here now, at least especially not knowing who the next guy is. So yeah. you definitely would like to have the, the coach in place by then. 
and then allow that person to do some recruiting. So it's not just get him in place by December 21st, you gotta get him in ahead of time so he can do some recruiting, maybe pull some guys from wherever he was previously um, or whoever he was, you know, at least recruiting previously at his former place. So it's a, it's a big deal to get him here as soon as possible, but obviously you need to let the process play out and get the right guy. But obviously it's, but speed is a, is of the essence. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword, right? You don't mm -hmm. want to be quick, but not too, too quick. Yeah. No doubt right. about it. All right. Let's talk a little hoops. Mayor's cup is Saturday, two o'clock uh, at the Reynolds center. Mm -hmm. uh, home game for TU. So what are your thoughts on that game? You'll, you'll be there covering the game. Um, yep. Thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, so TU's going into this game two and four. They've lost a couple of games mm. in, a in a row here. So it's it's an interesting uh, – I mean, this will be an interesting game for them because, you know, obviously the last game was Oklahoma State. That's a, They were a good opponent. Um, that, that didn't quite work out the way they wanted it. The previous – uh, actually, they're going in losing three. They lost the previous two at the in the Myrtle Beach tournament the previous week. Uh, got smoked by Murray State in the last game of that tournament. Didn't look very good, which is interesting because two games before that they were pretty much played a almost perfect game against in a winning over Loyola Chicago. So it's a this this is a young team that's still learning its way. It's um, it's inconsistent, and there are certain things they're pretty good at, and certain things are not so good at one of the things that coach Concold has talked about that they need help with is rebounding they're kind of a smaller team they don't have a real big man that that hinders that aspect of their game it'll be interesting to see them go up against Oral Roberts I think that'll be it'll be a nice close game um you know the styles match pretty well I think in terms of how they play so that's going to be an exciting game especially you know it it seems like the players put a, a little more emphasis on this game with it being with the mayor's cup on on the line. So, and you said that a second ago, John, about you know growing pains. It, this is Conco's first year. Mm -hmm. uh, what what are you seeing from the team so far? Like, I mean, putting the record aside for a minute, uh, are, are you liking what you're seeing? Just whether it be effort or energy or whatever. What do you like? What you see? Yeah, absolutely, I do. It, these guys are are putting it all out there. They're buying into his program. They're, um, you know, there's a real emphasis on on defense, on trying to play tough. Uh, and I think you're seeing that on the floor. It's a, sometimes it's a question of how, how effective are they at it or are they, um, you know, just, you know, in the area of rebounding, they're just small, a smaller team. So that's automatically puts them at a, at a disadvantage in that area, but they're they're trying and they're they're you know utilizing certain uh, strategies to get around those deficiencies, but it's it's still showing up in the games. But yes, I am I am very happy with what I'm seeing. There's progress being made. There are guys who are showing flashes of excellence that maybe don't even complete throughout the game, but some of some of the players are exciting. I'm really intrigued by, I really like the new uh, player, Br Bryant Salabangue. He has been a uh, transfer from a junior college, Florida Southwestern State, and has, you know, he's been their leading rebounder and has had a couple of double doubles. Um, he's scoring about eight, eight points a game and about nine rebounds. So it's, he's, 
he's looking really good. Some of, so some of the new players are good. I, they're still working on, you know, they got a lot of new guys, a lot of new guys who haven't been used to uh, starting roles. So there's a lot of, still a lot of moving parts there in terms of finding the right fit and who's going to, who match, match, matches well with each other um, in the lineup. But so far, yes, I'm enjoying the process of watching these guys grow. All right, we'll call that good for this week. Uh, you can download us for free at Google, Apple, or Spotify. Uh, John and I come at you once a week, usually on Thursday. We appreciate you checking in. John, enjoy the Mayor's Cup, and we'll catch up next week. All right, sounds good.